Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. And here we are, day four of our incredible four-day journey to Atlanta. Uh, thanks to the American Committee for Shiretetic Medical Center in Jerusalem and our friends of the Orthodox Union, we are down here while the entire world is focused on Brady and Belichick and the Patriots and the Rams and everything else, we are focused on the Jewish community of Atlanta and surrounding Jewish communities of the Southeast United States of America. We've had an amazing week here. We've recorded our Kosher Halftime Show, which will air on Sunday. Kosher Halftime Show this year, again, directed by Mayor Kay, with a lot of Atlanta stuff involved, a lot of Atlanta things included in this year's Kosher Halftime Show. It's one of the reasons we came down here. And um, we've uh, had a, a wonderful week so far of broadcasting, and today we get an opportunity to meet more people who are from Atlanta and from surrounding Jewish communities who could tell us about the southeast par- portion of the United States and just how active a Jewish world it is. Miriam L. Wallach is here. She's also been enjoying this incredible journey to Atlanta. Good morning. Good morning. Can I have a mic? Yeah. We've had an opportunity to, uh, to do something that... Um, um, that nobody else is doing. Everybody else, every other media source on planet Earth is focused on Atlanta this week because there's a game on Sunday. There is? So I am told. Oh, I heard Dr. Pelkovitz was speaking. That Sunday morning. Ah, okay. My bad. Uh, but there's a game on Sunday night. So the whole world is focused on it. But we decided to do something different. We're also focused on Atlanta. But we're focused on the beautiful Jewish community of Atlanta and the surrounding Jewish communities of the southeast United States. Having Rabbi Feldman on yesterday was wonderful. We had a great introduction to the Beth Jacob congregation. That's where we are again for day four. Day four. Of this journey. Of this marathon. And um, we want to encourage people to... Is this the Atlanta Marathon? <laughs> for us, it's been. <laughs> we want to encourage people to um, to listen. If you haven't heard all these shows, listen to all of them. And hear how much Jewish pride there is in so many great cities in the United States in this portion of the country. Uh, we've met through the phone and live and in person some wonderful people from great communities. We've been able to uh, see firsthand just how amazing a community this is. We've learned a lot about Atlanta uh, during this week. And there are a couple of key people I want to just thank toward the beginning of our final show here. Uh, we're going to give a special shout-out to the Spicy Peach. A special? I mean, it should be a monumental. And uh, that's, of co- that's, of course, Jody. Jody and at, Lydia. And Jody and Lydia at the Spicy Peach and their wonderful staff. They were extremely accommodating to us when it wasn't easy to be accommodating to us, <laughs> frankly. Could you imagine had we tried to pull that off in a store in New York? It's hard to film anywhere. Right. But we were but, there for seven hours the other day. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's number one. Also, I want to give a special shout out and thank you on behalf of the NSN staff and the Mayor K production team to the Schloss family who've taken very good care of us. Unbelievable. With hospitality that we have never seen before in all of our journeys. And uh, I just thank them. I thank them. I thank uh, Lydia. I thank everybody, Norman Schloss. I thank their entire family. Their family who's living there? Yeah, they've they've (laughs) really taken extremely good care of us all through this adventure. Also, there are a couple of people that um, were with us at the very beginning of this process. Mm Mm-hmm. In addition, as we said in November, we met with Ray Feldman and uh, 
and Rabbi Tendler and Rabbi Starr and many other people here in Eric Robbins and other people that was back in November during our trip. And by the way, very easy now to remember what day the trip was. We just asked Rabbi Tendler Correct. when, when his, his daughter was born. Because when he said this this morning, I said, when he said it yesterday morning, I said, finally, finally, I know exactly what day it was that we were here. But in addition, I want to say, give a special shout out to Daniel Wenger. Oh, for sure. When we landed in Atlanta for the first time, we called him and about five minutes later. He was uh, ready to accommodate us with all the information and and uh, and um, and details that we needed. And Neil Davis. And Neil Davis, who was extremely helpful to yep. us at the very beginning of this process. We sometimes forget once we get to the end of a project what the beginning was like. And for us, it's a, a fond memory of uh, who we met at the very beginning of this process. So thank you very much to all of them. I want to um, I want to I want to thank the Schlosses as well. Yeah. I also want to thank first of all Ariella Steinreich, who was one of the first people who said to us, "You have to connect with the Schlosses and you have to stay there." Right. And um, we are very very fond of our own uh, our own space, and making sure that at the end of a very long day, we do not have to interact with anyone, and uh, that we don't have to interact with each other. Well, in addition, we also have a lot of preparation still. Yes, and the Schlosses could not have been more perfect hosts. They not only provided their home, which after a 16, 18-hour day was actually exactly what I wanted to come back to. And if I had to go back to a hotel room instead of the warmth of a home, I think I would have just collapsed. But um, but they, they there was nothing that they wouldn't do. There's nothing it seems that they don't do. And everyone had their privacy and everyone had their space. And we had numerous places to work till ungodly hours of the night and when we're getting up at four o'clock in the morning and leaving their home at five o'clock in the morning there was there was i mean there was never any trouble nothing seemed to be a problem nothing seemed to be a problem for them and it's funny because i finally said to mrs schloss i said is there anything that bothers you and she said you know what bothers me when people don't push in their chairs She's like, when you come into my house and you're sitting there, she goes, at least push in there. I said, oh, my God, you and I were like sisters from another mother because that makes me nuts. But that was, I mean, of all the things that could bother her with having God knows how many people in her house at any time, this was her biggest complaint. Like, she's amazing. And every, you know, it seems to me there are so many people in this community and in other communities who have stayed with them who have similar Schloss stories. Somebody told me yesterday, which was the beginning of a narrative that I've now heard multiple times, when I was redoing my house and stayed with the Schlosses. Wow. That is the that is the beginning of a story I have now heard at least two or three times. And she said they refer to it as Chateau Schloss. <laughs> and before we went upstairs last night, Rabbi Schloss took out their guest book. And told Yoni that we have to sign their guest book because they ask all of their guests to sign their book. And I said, he said, yes, it's guest book number four. Wow. And I said, wow, that is so incredible. He goes, yeah, we, we, we've been meaning to do it for years and we never did it. So we finally started doing it and we figured we'd just call it number four. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So that was amazing. But the Schlosses have been great and they're so welcoming and there's... It was really perfect. So, Ariella, thanks for the advice. It was totally worth it. And Schlosses, I mean, I, I should be lucky to be able to be as generous with guests as you have been with us this week. And I also want to thank Steinrath Communications, who have been helping us get the word out about our week here and, mm-hmm. of course, about the Kosher Halftime Show as well. So a lot of people to thank, a lot of great people who are involved, and we greatly appreciate everybody's help. Yes. All right.
More coming up, right? Mm -hmm. More coming up. It is a Thursday morning edition of JM in the AM. Everybody keep it here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We are in Atlanta, Georgia for day four of this incredible journey.
השם בשמחה. בואו לפניו בננה.
goyali Vitsur Khevli Piesara Pihunisi Humana Isli Minas Kaisi Viai Mekra Piadai Avki Hashem Livi Laira Laira Biyadoy Afkid Ruchi Biyazishan Biyaira Viyim Ruchi Kiviyasi Hashem Livi Yeah. 
Georgia, thanks so much for joining us. Day four of our incredible journey here. And I hope you're enjoying this uh, first hour of JM and the AM with great music. And, of course, a lot of reminders. Reminders about the Kosher Halftime Show presented by our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm and so many wonderful commercial sponsors. The Kosher Halftime Show goes live this coming Sunday. We're getting ready for an amazing presentation. I hope all of you will make sure to watch it at some point and see how Atlanta-centric it is. Kosher Halftime Show with Daniela Javiel from Israel with uh, Sammy Kay, Atlanta's own Sammy Kay from the community down here. Uh, he is a uh, very well-known rapper, and he joined us for a great selection that he did uh, in Atlanta 
uh, with us, and you'll see a lot of fun, a lot of segments, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of scenes from the Spicy Peach. It's all in in, in the Kosher Halftime Show 2019, directed by Mayor Kay. Again, that happens this coming Sunday. The world is focused on Atlanta for one reason. There's a football game here on Sunday. We're focused on Atlanta because we keep speaking with representatives of the Atlanta Jewish community and members of the uh, Southeast region Jewish communities here in the United States, courtesy of our friends, the American Committee for Charitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem and the Orthodox Union. And we take this opportunity to uh, tell everybody how amazing a week it has been so far with plenty of guests coming up on this Thursday morning edition. Keep it right here. You're listening from Atlanta, Georgia to JM in the AM.
לפעמים הפחד משתק אותך כמעט מבפנים ואין מילים רק להשפיל את המבט התמיד אין דרך לעבור ואין לעצור וכל מה שהיה לעולם לא יחזור בסוף כל הדרכים נשקף לו האור אז אל תשכח תמיד
Uh, dedication done laughed at. Expectations turn abstract. My snapback fits at last, and my point of view is far past that. Can't say I wasn't cast back. Gotta read my mind of these flashbacks. Even though I'm out on the road, it's still caught in check with my dad's at. Pessimism in plain view. Actually, it just ain't true. Truthfully, they just hating on you because you do the things that they can't do. I dug out where I'm at today with a couple pleases and thank yous. You can only change yourself, so don't let them change you. Gonna be the highs, gonna be the lows. I'm figuring it out, it's alright. Yes, I know. It's on the grind and trying to be the finest. I am one with you and it feels so close. Singing, oh, I am not my wrongs. Oh, negatives can only make me strong. I've been put down, now I'm picked up. Now I'm picked up. Trying to find the diamonds in the dirt that I kicked up. That I kicked up. Nothing more than an impediment or a hiccup. And I'm told that's better stiffen our upper lip up. Up No matter what, I know the one above has a plan for me. Everything happens for a reason, nothing ever randomly. With a hand in every book, my currency ain't no room for vanity. We're all a part of this family. His Majesty knows the gonna be the highs, gonna be the lows. I'm figuring it out, it's alright. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. It's on the grind and trying to be the finest. I am one with you and it feels so close uh -huh. Singing Oh yeah. I am not my wrong I am not my wrong oh, Negatives can only make me strong Na 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 Gonna be the highs, gonna be the lows yeah. I'm figuring it out, it's alright, yes, yes I, I know. know It's on the grind and trying to be the finest I am one with you and, and it feels so close Singing, oh, yeah. I am not my wrong I am not my wrong oh, Negatives can only make me strong
נצמח ליבנו, כי בשם קודשו בטח. השם חצרותיו בתהילה, הודו לו ברכו שמו, כי טוב השם לעולם חסדו, והדור ודור אמונתו, הודו לו ברכו שמו, אחת תיתן לנו, גם השם ייתן אותו, וארצנו תיתן יבולה, לעולם חסדו, ויהי ויהי קשור מלך 
We're so glad you 
This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And check out the NSN app and comment on the app. Let us know where you are and uh, what you think of our shows from Atlanta. And of course, check out our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash NachumSiegel Network, and follow us on Instagram, NachumSiegel Network. A lot of kosher halftime show promos and information available through our social media. Well, we've been saying all week that the American Committee for Sharad Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem 
uh, is presenting our broadcast from Atlanta, and that may sound strange to some people out there. Why would a hospital in Jerusalem that does have a presence in the United States through its American committee be so concerned about Nahum Siegel being in Atlanta? And I've explained more than once that uh, Shari Tzedek, and our, as they've demonstrated in their relationship with us, believes that when we hit the road, when we start broadcasting from Israel, from other parts of the U.S. and other parts of the world, uh, it is something that's vital and important to our listeners and to the greater Jewish community to check out Jewish communities, to continue to um, spread our mission, and in effect, the mission that Shari Tzedek believes in, uh, to different cities around the U.S. This is a big hub. Atlanta is a very big hub for the Jewish community. When they heard we were coming down here, they were aboard. And I want to thank Chief Communications Officer for the American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, Mayor Fertig, who is here with us in Atlanta and can vouch for the fact that when it comes to special programming like this, your uh, outfit that we call the American Committee is always excited about it, and I thank you for that, and good morning to you. Good morning to you. And you're right, we are excited about it, and we're excited to be here with you. Day four. And it, it is day four, and it's pretty amazing, and you've been telling us how much you love this uh, Jewish community here in Atlanta. I do. I really do. It is an amazing community, and we've been emphasizing that in the next few weeks, literally right around the corner, we're actually going to be taking this on-the-road broadcast to Shari Tzedek Medical Center, mm -hmm. where we are even more and more and more familiar with the incredible work that they're doing, which I think just enhances our shows. We're going to meet with people, some of whom we already know, some of whom we have come in contact with, the you know, people in charge of your different departments who we've had on the air over the right. years, who have given us tours of the hospital, who now are advancing in their position, some of them becoming the next director general That's right. of the hospital. And that's all going to be happening in the next few weeks. We'll give everyone details about exactly what date we'll be at Shari Tzedek, and we are certainly looking forward to that. So um, as we've been asking you each and every morning this week, uh, it must be a unique and wonderful opportunity to see from your vantage point how the hospital continues to grow and expand and add departments and refurbish departments that have already been key to, uh, it, it, to the people that they serve in Jerusalem and beyond. In Israel, is there anything special on this day four that comes to mind on the subject of things that Shari Tzedek is doing for the greater Jerusalem area? Yeah, it's really true. I mean, every, every time I go, and I'm there, uh, I guess, once every three quarters of a year or so, it probably averages out. Yeah, you're amazed yeah. at what you see. There's, I, I really am. And I, and I always and I have wonderful colleagues at the hospital who do their best to keep us up to date on what's going on there because they're, they're on, you know, in the building. Uh, but there is always always something to see that's new for me so that I could keep up on what's happening. And what I've learned is that I need to walk into the office there and say to my colleagues, please show me what's new that I haven't seen since I, that, that's happened since I was here last. And there's always stuff. And, you know, we just walk around the building and, you know, even though I'm used to it by now, or I should be, my jaw just drops every time because there's always, there's always something. Uh, the, the very biggest thing that people would notice, uh, if they came to the hospital now, that may be different. Is a uh, from the uh, from the uh, file, you know, marked maybe creature comforts or just be general beautification. That's the the lobby um, has oh. been completely redone conceptually to include a significant shopping area. You can get food from multiple restaurants in the lobby right now. We there is a bank. That That's right. There is a bank. There is a pharmacy. Uh, not, not the hospital pharmacy. Right. I mean a consumer pharmacy. Right. 
Um, you, you can go to Angel's Bakery in, in the Shari Tzedek Lobby now. You can go to Burger's Bar in the Shari Tzedek Lobby now. You can go to Aroma in the shot in the Shari Tzedek Lobby now. Oh, we planned this trip perfectly. We have. <laughs> we really have. And, um, and, and that's good for everybody. Of course, it's good for the staff. Um, and the people who work there, but it's really good for people visiting patients. It's really, really good for people who unfortunately are spending a lot of time there with patients. You don't have to leave the building now to, to I mean, you need, need to leave the building to get some fresh air and clear your brain, but to get some food, some, some good food at an affordable price that's, that's going to be nourishing and, and you know, reasonably good for you, um, it's all right there. I've spent time as a family member in hospitals, mm-hmm. and uh, that is one of the one of the things that people don't realize, and that is it's an extremely draining experience. Correct. In fact, people some some people will tell you that they can walk into a hospital for ten minutes and they are just overwhelmed by the whole experience. Really, uh, it's difficult when you're a family member. It really is draining. It's intense. It's of an intense, It's an intense time, and whatever break you could provide. For the mm-hmm. families, I know you mentioned the staff, and I know they deserve yeah. it. But whatever break you could provide for the families, Correct. especially if they don't have to go out and travel, they could just go walk into one of those cafes you mentioned and just take a break, mm-hmm. sit down, have a meal, not feeling like they're starving all day and they don't know when their next snack is going right. to come from. That's right. It's such an amazing feeling. So, Kolakavod, um, you know, it's easy, and I say that in quotation marks, it's easy to know which departments a hospital needs and which medical situations it has to address. It's not always easy knowing that they need to be there for the families of patients. See, but that's, it's interesting that you say it exactly like that. That's actually something that Shari Tzedek has always known and is known for, is not just taking care of the patient, but taking care of the people who are taking care of the patient, taking care of the family. Uh, I mean, of course, the staff. I mean, if you talk to just about any staff member at Shari Tzedek Medical Center, they love working there. I mean, that's really, and of course, that contributes to the unique, uh, you know, vibe of the whole place, the whole atmosphere. But families will 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 often say, usually say, uh, that they've been well taken care of, well cared for as well, and that's something that's very special. And that's why, for 117 years, they've been calling Shari Tzedek the hospital with a heart. No question about it. Just ask them and they'll tell you what kind of big heart they have in the cardiology <laughs> department and in the rest yes, of the hospital right. as well. Mayor Fertig, I thank you, Chief Communications Officer at the American Committee of Charity Medical Center in Jerusalem. And your final words as we as we now leave Atlanta and go back to normal life back in New York. If I may, yes. I want to, uh, I've said it many times, uh, how much we value the partnership of the Nachum Siegel Network in in helping us get out our message and we we really do value that and of course you and i have a a relationship that goes back decades but um shari tzedek um feels very strongly about this and very positively and uh, in case it uh in case i haven't said this to you before we really feel like you're so generous with your time even in the course of what is of course underlying there's a business relationship between us but you're so generous with your time and we always feel like we have gotten more than we could have possibly hoped for and that's uh that's really a credit to you and to your team to miriam and everybody and i just want to say thank you well i thank you for that and we hope to make everyone in jerusalem feel that way when we visit bezrat hashem Hashem. thank you very very much more coming up leave it here everybody because it's the atlanta day four edition of jm in the a.m Malkinu, you
In the AM Thursday morning broadcast here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and uh, it's Thursday in Atlanta. That's right, day four of our incredible adventure. Uh, day four of one of the most remarkable trips we've ever taken, frankly. We've been con- just like the world is concentrating on Atlanta this week because supposedly there's a big football game this coming Sunday. We're also concentrating on Atlanta this week, for, but for a much more important reason to highlight the amazing Jewish community of Atlanta and uh, other Jewish communities in the southeast portion of the United States. And Rabbi Chaim Neidich is with us. He's executive director of the Jewish Student Union of Atlanta. He is the regional director of the Greater Atlanta NCSY region. It is 
the largest NCSY region in the entire global NCSY system. Rabbi Neidich, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate you uh, being with us. Uh, the last time we met was actually at an NCSY leadership conference, StaffCon, right? Remember Correct. that? Totally. And we had heard at that time from some of the people who saw us interact that you have been leading an amazing uh, region here down in greater Atlanta. Then when we got down here, we started studying some of the statistics that were given to us. You started with a handful of teens when you first reached this town, <laughs> and now you can proudly say that you're hovering in the three to 4,000 range when it comes to active teens in Atlanta's NCSY region. How did this happen? So that's actually an excellent question. I would say like this is that, um, for me at least, I never really anticipated or expected to get to be this big. <laughs> my, my goal is basically to take whoever Hashem puts in my way to give them the best experience possible, and I think through doing that again and again, we were able to really kind of build up, and it was pretty incredible. We also did some unique things uh, by going into the public schools and uh, running programs there. It's been, uh, it's been a pretty exciting journey. Um, what are some of those unique things that attract these kids to your programming? Because I'm sure there are many regional directors around the country <laughs> that would like to enjoy your success. So first off, I just want to say this. There are a lot of super talented people in NCSY. That's, that's true. We know and, that. That really is true. And, uh, you know, and again, uh, and I'm glad I can count myself among them. Right. So in terms of our programming, uh, you know, we had a unique thing here where I remember when I first started, we made this decision to go into the public schools because I was at a federation meeting. And at this federation meeting, they were trying to figure out uh, this community study. This is back in 2006. And during this 2006 community study, they basically made a list of all the kids in Atlanta. They got every single youth group, synagogue, the JCC to give camps, to give their numbers in. And what happened was they came up with 3,000 names. But when they eliminated the duplicates, there were less than 1,000 kids. So it was basically you're talking about like, you know, I think it was something like 10% of the Jewish kids in Atlanta were involved. So I said to myself, well, where are these kids? You know where they are? They're in public schools. If we go into their schools, we can find these kids. So we started basically going in. We met with a handful of kids. And slowly but surely, over the years, it's just kind of exploded. Is it a battle to get into a public school, or is it a smooth <laughs> operation here in Atlanta for a group like yours to get into a public school? So I think it started off being pretty challenging. I think a lot of people were afraid because during that time period, uh, you know, Atlanta was really, I would say, not as open to, uh, you know, it's a very Christian town. Uh, and uh, being Jewish was a, was a little bit of a challenge, and people are afraid it would cause anti-Semitism and things like that. Uh, but I would say the public school system has been fantastic to us. Wow. They've uh, really embraced us. Uh, I've spoken actually at nine public high school graduations. They've been big fans of ours. I sit on a committee uh, for Fulton County as part of their interfaith council to make sure that everything is uh, good for all religions. And um, I can tell you right now, the school system has been fantastic, and the people have just totally opened up to us. Uh, you know, to the point where right now you're talking about uh, not only do we get like, uh, you know, we're getting thousands of kids, but you're talking about the reform rabbis, conservative rabbis are all sending their kids to our programs because of just how amazing it is to go ahead in terms of what we're doing for these kids in the schools. Sometimes parents are somewhat resistant for their kids to enter a program like NCSY. Do you have very cooperative parents down here? Thank God. I think that, uh, you know, obviously initially there was some concern about it, but I think over time what happens is that people just see the product and you're like, you know what, everyone else's kid is there and they're having an amazing time. I want my kid to have that. And uh, I think that's really, you know, uh, what works out great. And uh, we've seen some pretty incredible stories. I mean, I, we have teens who came from interfaith families now who are, you know, teachers in seminaries in Israel. So, uh, you know, kids who didn't identify as being Jewish initially, who are now there, you know, Rabbanim in Israel, uh, Rabbanim here in America, uh, you know, Rebetzins. It's pretty incredible to see what people have done. 
and you can relate to that because, frankly, you, you also had a challenging background when it came to, the, came to our tradition. Totally, totally. <laughs> I grew up totally unaffiliated. I got started in Judaism when I was 12. And uh, thank God, it's been a whirlwind adventure. You know, have I your did, parents been cool with the whole thing? I'll tell you something. I think I have the greatest parents in the world. Wow. My parents really, you know, again, once they saw I was serious about this, I mean, please, they put me through, you know, Yeshiva High School. They put me through, you know, two years in Israel, five years base Medrash. Uh, they helped me uh, in my early days when I was traveling around the South for uh, almost a decade, you know, uh, you know, starting up small NCSY chapters and things like that. So uh, they've been big fans. Rabbi Chaim Neidich is with us. Now, not that you don't have enough on your plate, but the greater Atlanta region literally just mean greater Atlanta? Like the, the neighborhoods that we've visited in Atlanta is your region. You're not Jacksonville. You're not North Florida. You're not Alabama and Tennessee. This is what you're doing. Correct. So what happened was this, that it used to be our Southern Regional Director, and then as Atlanta kind of exploded and went from like, you know, you're talking about a handful of kids to... Oh, so what I remember is the Southern Region really did include a lot of what I just said. Correct. In the correct, old days. Correct. I actually was, I used to travel, uh, you know, again, 26 weeks a year visiting all those different cities. Right. And then uh, what happened was is that when Atlanta exploded, it just didn't make sense anymore because I could go ahead and drive 30 minutes and see, you know, 10 times as many kids, right. you know, that I could see basically by traveling. Pretty amazing. Um, Rabbi Chaim Neidish is with us. We're talking about NCSY. Now, I would guess when you're in the business now of servicing three to 4,000 kids, you need staff. Correct. You need people that are committed to the same causes that you're committed to. Do you find advisors, uh, counselors, those who are ready to run these types of programs, who are ready to come move to Atlanta and work with the people that, and work with the kids so that uh, you, know, you could advance this cause? So I'd say this is actually pretty interesting. I would say that uh, in 2009, when the economy crashed, I ended up basically uh, going solo for many years. And uh, it, w- it was pretty remarkable because basically it was during that time period we saw our greatest growth. We had a chance to reinvent ourselves. We had a chance to basically go ahead and think outside the box because we had to figure out a way to be successful without the typical things that makes NCSY successful. Uh, recently, actually last year, I think you had one of my superstars on, Rabbi Jake. The guy's sure. a super talent, used to be uh, you know, the acting uh, Jewish principal of uh, the Atlanta Jewish Academy. I hired right. him to join me full-time. Guy's fantastic. And, uh, and then we found over time different people. It's about finding people who have talents and are willing to either volunteer or commit in different areas. But, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been interesting with our staff. The stats claim that you run over 300 programs a year. Yes. Does that include Shabbatonim and the daily or as many as you can per week, the, you know, sessions of learning? Um, and I assume other fun events as well for the kids, right, to incorporate them into the program. Totally. So we're in public schools, usually before school, during lunch, and after school. And then uh, after school, we usually run, um, you know, later in the evening, we run events at Starbucks around Atlanta. Uh, on Shabbos, we're actually, uh, you know, we actually have a weekly Shabbos show at Beth Jacob. We have Shabbos lunches. We've got, uh, you know, Motsi Shabbos programming. We have Shabbatonim. We have a ski trip coming up. And in the summertime, we actually run an Israel trip. How many kids go on the Israel trip? So the Israel trip, last summer, we piloted uh, NCSY's first ever JSU summer program. Uh, and we we heard about this from somewhere. I don't remember where, but we heard that this was a groundbreaking uh, activity. Totally, totally. And because um, others, I think, want to duplicate it now, right? Or are thinking uh, about duplicating it. Oh, everyone's it? trying to duplicate right. it now. So um, yeah. So uh, and not like that. I think they changed. They rebranded a lot of programs based on our success. Uh, JSU, the Jewish Student Union, is our program in public schools, and um, it just kind of like it was incredible. We had thirty kids, and I'll tell you one thing that was pretty remarkable to me is that um, the kids were from. You know, really, many of them are really unaffiliated backgrounds. We had this one girl, Maya, she's from an interfaith family, and um, 
When we got to Israel, you know, one night she said to me, she said, like, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. She's like, you know, I'm just so sad because I never had a bas mitzvah. So I'm like, well, Maya, we're going to have your bas mitzvah right here. So when we got to the Kotel, you know, I, I said, Maya, we're going to have your bas mitzvah there. During that time period, there were four other kids on the trip who also wanted to have their bar and mitzvah. So we had five bar and mitzvah celebrations out of 30 kids at the Kotel. And what happened was Maya got up to speak. And when she got up to speak, she started crying because she said, you know, when she was 12 years old, you know, all of her friends had, you know, the, you know, you know, you know, their, their bas mitzvahs. And when she turned 13, her friends had their bar mitzvahs. And she went to everyone else's celebrations. But, you know, she figured that, like, by the time she was 14, 15, she entered high school, it would never happen for her. And, uh, and she was crying. She's like, she can't believe she's sitting here in the holiest place in the world, you know, finally having her bas mitzvah at the age of 18 years old. Whole thing's incredible. I, I think the most impressive um, accomplishment, and, and you've had many, as we've discussed in this conversation, is that you're in public school morning, noon, and night. And I say that because I come from an area where I know what the resistance was among public school personnel to clubs and groups like this. And even today, I think in the New York, New Jersey area, you probably hear about it from your colleagues. There's still a lot of challenges, and to have them in for more than once per day is really a challenge. That's really a great accomplishment. We're actually in different schools every single time. We have kids from 108 different schools here in Atlanta that participate in our programs. So we're not in all of them. (laughs) I get it, but but still a remarkable number. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, And, uh, and, We've been focused on this trip, as you know, not only in Atlanta, but the entire Southeast region. Can I assume, and I hope I can, that, that the Southeast region outside of Atlanta, you've seen growth in the NCSY chapters and regions in those areas as well? Totally. It's been tremendous. Yeah, I'd say the South is really... Because it, it was somewhat of a drought decades ago, you know. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And it's really turned itself around. I see a lot of these communities are getting young families, you know, from New York moving in. It's uh, it's pretty incredible to see. Yeah, there's a lot of talent. I mean, we saw this at StaffCon and, and many other uh, venues with NCSY. There's a lot of talent out there. Colleagues of yours, uh, both men and women, are very committed uh, in different cities in the United States to really get this job done and to increase the numbers. I know it's not all about numbers, but you know that numbers does indicate success in many cases. So Totally. A pleasure to see you again and continued Hatzlacha. This is really one of the great accomplishments of NCSY, and I'm sure you take great pride in it. I totally do. Rabbi Chaim Neidich, thanks for welcoming us to Atlanta. Thank you. Much appreciated. More coming up. This is JM in the AM on a Thursday morning broadcast. One of the first people, I think this is true, one of the first people we contacted in November when it was uh, when we revealed that we're going to be visiting Atlanta and concentrating on the Jewish communities of the Southeast, uh, was the owner and publisher of the Atlanta Jewish Times. That's Michael Morris. The Atlanta Jewish Times has been published each week for the last 93 years. Michael Morris, shalom. Welcome to JM and the AM. Shalom, shalom. (laughs) Very glad to be here. We finally made it here. Yes. What do you think? Not just you. I'm talking about us. We made it to Atlanta. When we spoke to you months ago, it was sort of like a pipe dream as we were just exploring the possibility, and we're here on the spot to see this beautiful neighborhood and this wonderful town, so thank you. How many times have you traveled to do this show? Oh, we travel a lot with this show, especially to Israel. It's the first time outside of Israel that we've dedicated more than one day to one of our trips. Gotcha. Almost an entire week here. Uh, with uh, with JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network, and it's been an amazing trip. Uh, you're obviously very familiar with the Atlanta Jewish community. I've been around <laughs> the community for a few years, so sure. And now that uh, now that I'm the current shepherd of the paper, it uh, has 
has uh, gotten me more involved. And, uh, well, first of all, we, we've heard about the influence the paper's had for all these decades, so congratulations on that. And I'm sure you take great pride in all the different aspects of the community, publishing and writing about all the different things that are going on in Atlanta. If I were to ask you for a short overview of what the Atlanta Jewish community is like, what would you tell us? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a very big community. I, I think we're seventh or eighth largest uh, Jewish community in Atlanta. I, I'm sorry, in, America? in the United, yeah, in the United States. Uh, people don't realize that there's well over 120,000 Jews in Atlanta. Um, I'm not sure that every one of them is engaged, but we probably have over 30,000, 40,000 engaged Jews, meaning that they're involved in something on a yearly basis here. Uh, but it's it's a vibrant community. There's a lot of culture here. There's um, there's uh, many festivals that we have here. There's many camps. There's Jewish schools. Uh, We've been focused on the fact that Atlanta is somewhat of a capital of the Jewish Southeast. Do you feel that way from your vantage point, that it's got an influence over communities all around this region? I'm not sure about that. I think that the I think the various Jewish communities, there's a, there's a strong presence, say, in New Orleans as well. Right. Um, I think that Atlanta might be the capital of the corporate Southeast, but I'm not sure that there could be a, I, I don't think there's a capital of the Jews anywhere except Israel. <laughs> That's a very good one. So, I like that. <laughs> Jerusalem's the only place. Right. Speaking with Michael Morris, Atlanta Jewish Times, how has the paper been able to survive Nine and a half decades. That's quite a long time to publish. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, yes, it has. And, and that's one of the reasons why I took it over, because it was struggling and uh, somebody needed to insert a little vision and, of course, insert a little bit of capital. But um, the paper has really changed through the years. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to go back maybe even 50 years. 50 sure. years ago, if you wanted to know a little bit about what was going on in, in Israel or if you wanted to know what Hadassah was doing in New York City, you had to read the paper because you certainly couldn't Google that kind of information. So the paper was really a broad brush about Judaism around the world. In today's day and age, and I'm fast-forwarding through a lot of different uh, things like the advent of TV and getting your right. news from the TV in the 1970s, Walter Cronkite and all that. But um, today, we're not going to talk about national or international issues nearly as much because people will go right to the uh, computer and mm -hmm. Google to find out that information. So we've had to change what we're talking about tremendously. We are here to support the nonprofit uh, segments of the community, whether it's the Friends of the IDF, the JNF, the ADL, or even the local schools or the Jewish homes. We have a Jewish museum here. We're spreading the word about what local people are doing and, and how they're involved, what the kids are involved in. Like, for example, um, I cannot remember her first name, but uh, we have in Atlanta, uh, Miss Arbeev just went to college, and she is arguably the number one female pole vaulter in the United States today. <laughs> from Atlanta. From Atlanta <laughs> and from the Jewish high school here in Atlanta. So uh, those are the kind of things that we like to promote. A lot of local and a lot of Jewish pride, no question about that. Michael Morris is with us talking about the Atlanta Jewish Times and the Atlanta Jewish community. Uh, the community is diverse, right? A lot of... Uh, a lot of different people with different backgrounds, a variety of backgrounds here in the community. Absolutely. Uh, do, do, are people getting along here? Is it a community that's cohesive, generally <laughs> speaking? As much as any two Jews in a room get along together, we get along. Um, 
I do segment the community into three different areas. We have a very strong Israeli presence. I don't know how many uh, Israelis are in the greater Atlanta area. Oh, that's but interesting. Ten years ago, I did know that the figure was about 10,000. Hmm. So we've got a strong Israeli presence. We clearly have a, a, a fabulous and growing Orthodox presence with um, the Atlanta Scholars Kolel. We have, I think, eight Chabads, maybe even more. Yeah, I've heard that the Chabads are growing like crazy in town. <laughs> yes, yeah, like weeds. No, it's... <laughs> Every nook and cranny, right, has a Chabad now. And I think... And you've seen that expansion, different neighborhoods really becoming absolutely. Jewish neighborhoods. It, not only that, but in uh, three schools now, there's Chabad rabbis. Uh, I know Georgia Tech and uh, Emory University. On the college campuses. college campuses, absolutely. Um... And then we have, I think there's 48 synagogues, including some of the Chabad synagogues sure. as well. So um, so we've got a great uh, uh, Orthodox community here, and then we have a great um, Reform and Conservative community here. I don't know if you know, but there, we had two synagogues in Atlanta, one of them AA, which at, the, at one point was the largest conservative synagogue in the Southeast. And then we have the Temple which is located downtown, and that too was the largest reform congregation in the southeast for a number of years. So, uh, you know, in a little bit we were a capital, but not necessarily but because every, we're divergent. But every <laughs> segment of of Jewish tradition was well represented, to say the least. Actually, and and many of our organizations, such as say Friends of the IDF, right. as well as the Atlanta uh, Film Festival and the new Atlanta Jewish Life Festival. They take pride in ensuring that uh, we reach out to all segments of the community and get everybody involved, making sure the food is kosher, making sure that the programs for the kids are, are safe, for a better word. Phenomenal. Speaking with Michael Morris. So this, of course, I'm sure is a historic occasion, having our radio network down here in Atlanta. I'm sure, I'm sure this is something that the paper is going to cover extensively, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that you were already featured in the last issue, That's so we'll correct. have to do that again. I thank you very much for that, and we were glad that from the beginning you were enthusiastic about letting everyone know about our pursuit down here. We have a lot of listeners, especially in the New York, New Jersey area, as you know, and now this week they have learned about this community. And there's some people who are surprised. You know how it is in New York and New Jersey. People a little bit provincial. But here they, uh, but many people were surprised and others already knew that this is a vibrant and growing Jewish community down here and a historic Jewish community yes. here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, so continued success, 93 years, many, many more at the, Atlanta, at the Atlanta Jewish Times. And I thank you so much for visiting us today. Absolutely. I appreciate thank you bringing you me on. Michael Morris, Atlanta Jewish Times, one of the first people we contacted when it was time to come down to Atlanta for this historic trip for us uh, as we broadcast, as the world concentrates on Atlanta because of a football game this Sunday, but we concentrate in Atlanta because we want to make sure to let everyone know about the incredible Jewish community that there is down here. Shlomo Katz is next, and you're listening to JM in the AM. Eluod me chapsim, eluod me vakshim, elu va elu kvar merichim, she elu em acholmim, elu em ayotzrim, elu va elu az nifgashim, mitochod nekudatova, roektat orba afera, lokeachet az manu mitbode. Oh, my God. 
J.M. in the A.M. Thursday morning. By the way, that's Shlomo Katz. This coming Friday, tomorrow, we're going to have a very, very big announcement about Shlomo Katz. What do you think of that? Pay careful attention to your radios, everybody. Big announcement regarding Shlomo Katz coming up tomorrow, Friday, here at J.M. in the A.M. It's Thursday. We're in Atlanta. We're at the Beth Jacob uh, Synagogue. We thank uh, everybody here at the synagogue who's been so gracious. Wonderful host down here in Atlanta all week long. Much appreciated. Um, Rabbi Mayor Cohn is with us. He is the head of school of the Torah Day School of Atlanta, which is very, very close by. Walking distance down Walking the block. Walking distance from the shul. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Rabbi Cohen, a pleasure to have you here on JMDM. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good to be here. How are things going at the Torah Day School of Atlanta? I know it's a historic school, meaning it's been around for quite a while. Am I it's, right? It has been around since the 80s, so it's been around a while. I'm new here. This is my first oh, year. Oh, nice. Yeah. So for me, it's going great. I'm just... Uh, What's the last community that you lived in? <coughs> I was in San Diego, California with Swell Hebrew Day School, yeah. You went from San Diego... To Atlanta, Georgia, I would guess this is a bigger town and Jewish-wise, right? It's a bigger town Jewish-wise. A lot more minyanim to choose, absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you get to the Torah Day School, and what did you find? Did you find a large number of students with uh, a great community spirit? Tell me what you found here. It's uh, it's amazing how passionate they are about learning. The students really want to grow. It's, it's phenomenal. Teachers are... Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, a great community to work with. You know, we came in, don't know what to expect. It's a new person in town, but they, uh, they, the teachers have shown me that they, they love their teaching Torah. They love, um, uh, they love working with kids and it's all around a warm and welcoming, wonderful community inside the school. Now, Torah Day School is, is it nursery through eighth? What is the, uh, kindergarten through eighth, kindergarten through eighth grade, K through eight. And, um, total number of students around 340. Oh, it is that many. Mm-hmm. So between three and four hundred kids in the school, and um, I guess because this is somewhat of a larger Jewish community than you know some of the others we've mentioned in these conversations, you have it a little easier in terms of getting staff, personnel, rabbis, teachers to participate in your school. Would that be a so certainly having a kollel uh, in the community helps, and some of them transition from the kollel to the school. Um, and it's uh, certainly more attractive to people who live in New York or that tri-state area to right. come down to Atlanta. We have a lot of amenities. San Diego was definitely more difficult to pull people in. So, right. that is, so that is nice, but still getting people out of New York is always hard. But I think the, the warmth of this community, the way they've welcomed our family, I think everyone feels that when they come in. Um, so it is, a, it is an attractive place to be, absolutely. Uh, speaking to uh, Rabbi Cohen, Rabbi Mayor Cohen, Torah Day School, head of school here <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Tell me about this town. Um, you have some experience, obviously, in terms of seeing different Jewish communities around this country. What is unique about Atlanta's Jewish community? So I mentioned the concept of welcome, welcome and warmth that is definitely present here. It's the South, so that uh, is a big part of it. But more than that is the desire to grow. I've, I've been with, uh, this is my 15th year in administration, uh, and I've dealt with a lot of parents throughout many different schools. Here I see that the parents themselves are looking for how to best educate their children, and they're seeking advice, and they're not fighting the school. They're saying, how can we be the best possible parents, and how can we be the best partners that we can be? And that's a unique thing that I don't think I've seen as much in any of the other schools I've been with. So it's a, it's a very special thing about Atlanta. So I would guess some of those students are transforming their family. They, it's bring, they bring concepts home that their parents incorporate into their own lives and, 
and that also becomes a very it's, big positive. It's absolutely happening, right. Uh, and we talked about all the different shuls and all the different amenities that this community has. The warmth and hospitality seems to be, I don't want to say unique, I wouldn't be fair to other communities, but there sure. is something special down here that, uh, that we as visitors experience. And you're obviously familiar with some of the, between the hurricane and other stories, I'm sure you've heard, sure. you know about how open a community it is to welcome other people uh, into the community. And that must be a good feeling. So when you got here, you must have felt that warm embrace. Well, we've been here six months. I think we've probably had a total of four or five Shabbos meals at home. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of nice people here <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Uh, tell me about running the school. I mean, these days it's 2019. There's a lot to. There's a lot of competition out there. Sure. Uh, there are. I don't mean com- competition in terms of Jewish schools. I mean competition that the uh, a, a student can be easily distracted or easily get involved in a lot of other things that sure. are either not Torah based or not a positive education. How is it that we uh, go ahead and make sure that the students are able to concentrate on what they need to concentrate on? Sure. I mean, one of the things that we um, like to focus on is making the learning personal and passionate. Um, so whether, you know, we had a, a Rebbe the other day who shared with me th- that uh, their seventh grade Gomorrah class, the, the, he had the boys write a rap to um, summarize what they were, what they learned. So now we're talking, <laughs> right? So you should hear some of them. They're absolutely amazing. And it shows that they know it. They have a personal connection to it. They had a lot of fun. And that's, uh, that's how to get to them. You know, certainly sitting, standing in front of a class and teaching is not the most effective way to, to engage students. So we're, we're trying to make it more personal, more passionate in all the learning they do. Where do the eighth graders in Torah Day School go next year? So typically, there uh, a lot of them go, for the girls. A lot of them go to Tamima right High here. School. That's right. A lot of the boys will go to Yeshiva or Israel, which is also right here. Um, and then some of them will go to AJA. Uh, those are the Jew, and then some are sent. Go, some still send out of town, although that's becoming more rare since there's so many high school options. Interesting. There are a lot of choices here in Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. And the school day ends at what time here at Torah Day School? For middle school, four thirty, and uh, K through five is three thirty. Interesting. Um, it's really amazing to see and experience what's happening uh, out of town, as we call it, <laughs> us New Yorkers, as we call it. And it seems like uh, Torah Day School is uh, certainly one of the backbones of this community down here. I believe so, yeah. And congratulations on the position. Thank continue. you. Good luck good moving to be here. forward. Amen. Appreciate you joining <laughs> Thank us. Thank you. Good to meet you. Rabbi Mayor Cohen, he is the head of school at the Torah Day School here in Atlanta and has a unique, um, a unique opportunity each and every day to uh, see the growth of the uh, uh, children's education, and it's a big part of what goes on here every single day in the Atlanta Jewish community. We have been focused on Atlanta because the rest of the world is. There's a game coming up on Sunday, and the entire Atlanta, uh, or the entire world, the NFL and the entire world is focused on the uh, uh, Atlanta, the city of Atlanta because it is a football game. And um, we decided that because the whole world is focused on this town, we're going to focus on the most most important aspect of this town and that is the Jewish presence here in this town and that's what we've been doing all week talking about the Jewish community of Atlanta and its surrounding communities walking into Beth Jacob synagogue right now on during this JMDM broadcast is the Mount Pisgah Christian School welcome guys thanks so much for being here and they I assume are taking a little bit of a tour and uh and participating in a program here at the synagogue? This seems to be, if I'm not mistaken, and I can ask Rabbi Tenler when he comes back out, this is an annual event, 
right? This is an annual event. Is that once a year they come? They're the what class is this? What grade? Sixth grade. Sixth graders come and they visit the synagogue and they see what it's about. And I mean, could they look any cuter? Their, <laughs> their ties. I want that tie. So, sorry about that, guys. I'm right. sorry that sorry, you referred to sorry. it that way. <laughs> right. Very, I mean, it's super very respectful. distinguished. They I are. think very distinguished. Okay. The, the, the group okay. looks. Yeah, but and anyway. They're all, and they're all walking into the main sanctuary Correct. to uh, enjoy the program that our attenders coordinated. Exactly. And this is an annual event. It's an annual collaboration. I think it's fantastic. Now, might we be able to conclude that, that it's. Even it's much more rare where we come from that this type of event would be taking place. Oh, it wouldn't we, we happen. Can, right. Right. <laughs> it would not happen where we're from. So right. we salute Atlanta and we, we salute your school and thank you so much for visiting us. Absolutely. And you taught us a great lesson, those of us who are from the New York, New Jersey area. More coming up. It's JM and the AM as we continue with um, with Yoni Z at JM and the AM. Show. 
J.M. in the A.M. That's Yoni Z. And uh, we continue on this Thursday morning broadcast here at J.M. in the A.M. We're at the Beth Jacob Congregation in Atlanta, Georgia. And we have the privilege of speaking to Rabbi uh, Vigdor Slatis, who is the rabbi of B'nai B'rith Jacob Synagogue down in Savannah, Georgia. Rabbi Slatis, welcome to J.M. in the A.M. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. We have been hearing for decades, and I say that in all seriousness, about the historic uh, community of Savannah, Georgia. Um, I know that Savannah was a uh, important entry point for a lot of Jewish people in the uh, uh, early part, the late uh, 1900s, in the late um, uh, 1800s and early 1900s, and it is a historic community. Could you tell, tell us a little bit about that history of Savannah? Well, as you said, Savannah, because it's a port city, uh, many immigrants came. They went to New York, obviously, and many were uh, deflected down to Savannah. And um, some had some family or relatives or things over here. Uh, they came. It was a, It's always been a very warm, welcoming community. People really extended themselves to enable the individuals to acclimate themselves and find uh a proper parnasa, an income, and to become part of the Jewish community, and they help them as far as fitting into the culture of America, helping them learn English and things of that nature. And because it's, it is a port city, it was uh, very easily accessible, and because of the warmth and the unique quality of the individuals, people would flock over here. Pretty amazing. How far am I right now, being in Atlanta, from Savannah? I think you're 250 miles away, or around a four-hour drive. Big place, Georgia, huh? Big state. That's for sure. Uh, speaking to Rabbi Victor Slatis, B'nai B'rith Jacob Synagogue down in Savannah, Georgia. What's happening today in 2019? What would we find if we visited Savannah, Georgia, and your congregation? Well, you'll find it to be 45 degrees, which I think today is important, and that's above zero. Uh, we're not going to be getting any snow, which is also a nice thing. We get snow here maybe once every 10 or 12 years. Uh, what you will find is a very vibrant, we're a small community. Savannah is a population of around 200,000 people. Greater Savannah, maybe close to 300,000 people. But it's a very vibrant, active, and a very close-knit community. Uh, we have uh, lots of classes that are going on on a regular basis every single day, and we have people who actually know you by name and are familiar with you for years and your family and take an interest, and the congregation has been uh, growing in numbers, and more importantly, we've been growing as far as our spiritual growth, the entire community. And it's really a beautiful thing to see. Now, we've been told that Savannah has the longest-running minion in the United States, that if you would put together a city that has had a minion each day for the last 150 years, Savannah would be the only town that could, uh, that could make that claim. Are you familiar with that claim? Well, I, I, can, I don't know about other communities, but yes, this congregation, the name of Jacob, I think was incorporated in 1861. And, of course, we moved the building, but um, the congregation has had, I don't know of a time in which we did not have a minion. Sometimes we have a chasana in which many people are taken out of the synagogue itself, 
but there is definitely a minion. We had to call uh, maybe some of our uh, teenagers to make sure there'd be a minion in the shul. There has always been a minion here, Shachos bin Chamarvin, as far as I'm concerned, since 1861. So you're talking about uh, quite a few years, yes. That's for sure, over 150 of them. Uh, Rabbi Slatis is down in Savannah, Georgia. What's Shabbos like down in uh, Savannah in your congregation? Do you see a lot of visitors or a lot of tourists come through the Savannah area? We have an inordinate amount of visitors, people who are traveling through, those who are driving down, they're going to Florida, or those who are driving north. Uh, many people will actually come here and make this their destination. It's a lovely community. It's an historic area. The climate is very, very nice. It's, it's very comfortable year-round. Um, people do come here, and I must say that the reaction is for all those traveling through. First of all, the Hachnosis Archim here is something to behold. People will call and say, well, is there a place I can, I can eat on Shabbos? Don't worry. You'll get a place. And even if you don't know where you're going, someone in Shul will pick you up and take you home. It's that kind of a community. <laughs> people come and they tell me, Quite often, I hear two comments. <clears throat> First of all, they say that, you know, I, I never appreciated davening until I really came to Savannah, because, you know, in New York or wherever else we live, in the big cities, everybody's in a rush to go to work. Everybody has somewhere to go, and the davening, you know, if you start at, at 6.30, by, by 7 o'clock, you're out, and it's just, uh, everybody's always rushing. Here, because it's a small community and everything is quite accessible, we don't have the traffic jams you're going to find in New York or Chicago or Atlanta. And therefore, people, we can, we can dive at 6.45 and we can finish at 7.35 and people will be able to get to work at plenty of time. Uh, so that's comment number one, that they appreciate the dominant. We don't rush. We don't fetch and we don't drag it up and we don't rush. The second thing they tell me is that people say they're in shock as to all the activity and energy that goes on during Shabbos. In addition to the minion, Friday nights we'll have um, in people's homes, in my home many times, we have like on the Parsha, people are invited to come by, we have a Lachayim, we have some food, whatever it might be, and we go through the Parsha, and then Shabbos morning we have, Shabbos is filled with classes, you go out in the street and you see where did, where did all these people come from, that they're walking back and forth, pushing their baby carriages and moving here and going there. And it's not just to go to eat, but we have there are classes for women. We have shirim for men. Uh, we have a lot of things that are going on older. We have for our t uh, children, our teenagers, we have activities. So Baruch Hashan, there is a lot of people saying they are stunned. They're stunned. They didn't know they are going to find any Jews in Savannah, yeah. let alone to find such activities. You're stunning me with this conversation, frankly. I had no clue that there was such a vibrant community down there. Are there any Jewish schools in, in Savannah? Yes, we have a day school that has approximately, I think, 90 to 95 students. It's a Tormasura school. Um, I must say that, that, you know, we're affiliated with the Orthodox Union, who have been absolutely just a godsend. They are fantastic. They are constantly in touch with us. They're keeping us. That's our umbilical cord to the rest of Klai Yisrael. <laughs> In, in America and beyond. I mean, they're, they have programs and they send the speakers and, and they're just their interest. They have the umbrella organization that really uh, enables us to remain attached and it's, it's just a wonderful experience that we have and we, I really appreciate it. Um, we have a day school. We have a kolel. It's a small kolel, but we have, it's a very, very active kolel. 
and we have outstanding Talmidei Chachamim, part of the Kolel, and they also, it's an outreach Kolel. We recognize that part of our responsibility is to reach out to those who perhaps didn't have the opportunity to have a background that we were blessed with. And therefore, we have classes on all levels, from absolutely the basics, if you want to learn how to read Hebrew, or if you want to go into uh, Shulchan Aruch and you want to find out uh, what, what, what's the latest sock or whatever it might be, on all various levels. And the Kola has classes, these, these young men are so busy, Hashem should just continue to give them the Koyach, they're constantly learning one-on-one with Chavrusas, their wives are very active, we have a woman's initiative in which there are classes. My wife has been giving classes for the last 38 years. Every Shabbos she has a class for women. And it's, uh, it's really it's something, it's, it's, I'm, I'm enthused. I'm getting younger, I guess, because the enthusiasm is just uh, making me feel like I'm 20 again. Well, the, youth, the youthful spirit is certainly coming through in this conversation. I want to alert our listeners that you should look up Rabbi Slatis in the B'nai B'rith Jacob Synagogue down in Savannah, Georgia, whether you're a visitor or somebody who's contemplating actually joining a community that's historic and growing at the same time. Uh, just go to the web, B'nai B'rith Jacob Synagogue, and you'll be able to learn more about the work that Rabbi Slatis and his family and all the great people down in Savannah are doing. I thank you so much for joining us this morning. Great to speak with you, and our best regards to everybody in Savannah. Thank you so much, and I appreciate the opportunity. Phenomenal. Uh, more coming up. We have had a unique opportunity for uh, for these broadcasts. The uh, American Committee for Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, the Orthodox Union sponsoring this week from Atlanta, Georgia, and we are um, uh, learning so much about uh, communities all over the southeastern portion of the United States of America. Don't forget, Kosher Halftime Show is coming Sunday, of course. We filmed it down here in Atlanta. Mayor Kay directed it. That's all coming up on Sunday. Our historic Kosher Halftime Show number six, the 2019 edition. And uh, so many people to thank. So many people who have been so incredible here in Atlanta. We'll have an opportunity before the end of the week to do so. Um, and uh, to list for you all those who have made... Uh, these, this incredible week possible for us. Our Kosher Halftime Show is brought to you by the Rothenberg Law Firm, and we thank them and all of our commercial sponsors of the Kosher Halftime Show. Baruch Levine, brand new. This is JM in the AM.
Jacob here on a Thursday broadcast of JM and the AM. Beth Jacob, uh, a the historic congregation of um, of Atlanta, Georgia, here, and uh, we are broadcasting in America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world on the web at NachumSigl.com and the NachumSigl Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. There's a big Shabbos coming up on Friday, February the 15th, uh, here at Beth Jacob. Rabbi Tzvi Mordechai Feldheim will be the uh, guest speaker. And the Shabbos is called Shabbos 1000. It's a Shabbos 1000 Shabbos dinner organized by primetimers and friends of Myra Bergen in celebration of Myra's 1000th Shabbos. Happening on Friday, February the 15th. Those of you in this area, obviously log on to BethJacobAtlanta.org. Everyone else around the world, Take great pride in the amazing uh, Shabbos that is being planned in celebration of Myra's 1,000th Shabbos. Mazel tov to you times 1,000. Amen. <laughs> 20 years about, does that make sense? I just count each Shabbos. I just count each Shabbos. So I'm thinking it's, it's around a, 20 it's years. It's a very long story, but on the eve of, of when I saw that the new millennium, remember all the sure. Y2K and everything that was going on, when I saw that it was on Shabbos, I had actually been coming here for 10, 10 years. I joined in 1991, and I've done Yom Tovs and Shabbos here and there, but when I saw that the Calendar new millennium was on Shabbos, I knew, I started to cry, and I could not imagine I could be Shomer Shabbos the rest of my life. I could not imagine. So I said, I have, I know Hashem wants me to do this. It's like God was talking to me. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this one at a time. 
I'm going to do the first Shabbos. And, you know, the usually I watch the ball drop on New Year's Eve, and it was on Shabbos. Friday night. And I was with the family, the Siegelmans, and I was looking at the clock, and I just felt just all kinds of holiness coming over me because I wasn't watching the ball drop in New York City. So uh, the next day, I said to my rabbi and Rabbi Rosenbaum, I said, I'm committing to Shabbos, but one at a time. This is Shabbos number one. And Rabbi Rosenbaum said to me, why don't you spend Shabbos number two with us? And on and on. And after every Shabbos, I take a marble and I put it in a decanter and I kiss it. And I thank God for giving me Shabbos number one, Shabbos number two, Shabbos number 50. Somebody, uh, Dina Deutsch, baked a nun. <laughs> for, for me, 50 numerical for value 50, 50 numerical value of 50 people, I would ask the gematria of the Shabbos <laughs> or what it means or the 13 attributes of mercy. So every Shabbos has, every single Shabbos has meaning. And now I open the gift of Shabbos and thank God for each Shabbos. The community is so beautiful because they're saying, what are you going to do for a thousand? I said, I just want to get to the next Shabbos. So I just celebrated and I have four decanters, three typify 613 uh, commandments. There's 613 marbles in six, three jars. And then one is going to be from 614 to a thousand. So you have a total of 998 marbles. 900. In As of this 97, week, it'll be nine, right, this week will be nine ninety. This next will be nine ninety eight, and I was gonna not count it one time, but you know, people come back from Yeshiva and they say, "Which Shabbos is this, Myra?" <laughs> so you need to know and, You know, one of the people in the office, she's been, she was since seven years old. She said, "I remember when I was a little girl, we would ask you which Shabbos it was." So. You know, I just feel so blessed that I get to open this gift from the Creator. I mean, we're not getting out of this alive, right? We're going, the best relationship we have is with the Creator of the universe. And when I give a gift to someone, I want them to open it in front of me. So now I'm opening God's gift to the Jewish people now while I'm alive. So when I get to Elom Haba, God willing, I'm going to have this great relationship with the creator of the universe because I've opened his gift you have every a, week. You have a very inspiring narrative, to say the least. <laughs> uh, tell me, aside from Rabbi Feldheim, who's going to be here, yes. what else can we expect from Shabbos number 1000? Shabbos number 1000, my sister Sally and her husband Chuck are coming here for Shabbos. I'm going to spend sister with my Shabbos, uh, Shabbos, Shabbos with my sister. And my... Aunt Marcia Posner, who's written three books. You should talk to her sometime. She's writing her third book. I, sometimes I call her, she's writing her bibliography, right? She's 88. She's coming with my cousin Amy Adler. David Adler, a blessed memory. You may have known him. He was uh, very active in the Jewish community in, in uh, New York, all over the world. He was Israeli. And um, it's very exciting. I'm sponsoring the Kiddush the next day. I'm uh, t- 
Tova Idex is going to do a cake for me. I'm commissioning her to do a cake for me. Um, it's just very exciting to have my family and my friends here and to be able to do, I want to do something for this community. I get such nourishment from this community. I feel so, so blessed. I am so, so blessed to be in this community. What an amazing story. It's going to be uh, Friday, February the 15th. That'll be the start. And the 16th. Correct. That'll be the start <laughs> of Myra's 1000th Shabbos. Yeah. And you do credit the Jewish leadership and people of Atlanta, Georgia, for giving you this opportunity. It is an opportunity for me to give back to the community. And Rabbi Feldheim, I've heard him before. He is such a wonderful speaker, and he's such a holy man with a sense of humor. So I'm looking forward to hearing His topic him. is, I am Shabbos. Correct. The next day, I don't know what he's going to say, but I, had, I told him my story. The next day is... Um, it's going to be transcending our limitations after Kiddush. She's right. going to speak on transcending our limitations. So you have a big, big celebration planned. Right. Every day, every day is a celebration that we wake up. I've been a hospice volunteer uh, over 34 years. So every day is a celebration when you wake up. And uh, every Shabbos is, is a gift from what has uh, What has Rabbi Elon Feldman said about the Shabbos number 1,000? Oh, he, he said, um, I don't know, you're going to have to ask him. I'd have him. to ask him. But uh, he's very excited because he, he feels, you know, he just, I, I just feel so blessed to have him as my rabbi and my inspiration. And um, he's excited about it, too. Do you need menu suggestions for the kiddish, or you don't need any suggestions? Well, we're definitely, Zahava Curlin's going to sponsor the herring. I know that. Oh, all right. So and we're going to have sc good area. scotch. Good all scotch. Right. And I'm, I'm, it's going to be an expanded kiddish menu. I, I, as we call it, an enhanced kiddish. Enhanced kiddish. <laughs> A mazel tov to Myra Bergen, who on the weekend of February the 15th and 16th will celebrate her 1,000th Shabbos. I will. Pretty God amazing. willing. And you'll be I, counting after that. It'll I'll, go to 1,001 and beyond, right? God willing, I'm going to be counting for a very, very, very long time. Amen. Thanks so much for joining Thank us you. this morning. Thank you. A pleasure to have you here. <laughs> More coming up. It's JM and the AM on this Thursday broadcast. As we, as we continue with Benny Friedman, you are listening to the Nahum Siegel Network.
J.M. in the A.M. with Benny Friedman. That's called Viseche Zeno. We are in Atlanta for day four of our four-day journey down here. Tomorrow back in our New York City studios. Malcolm Holmline will join us from Israel tomorrow. Make sure to be tuned in on a Friday morning broadcast. We'll also have a big announcement regarding Shlomo Katz and J.M. in the A.M. That'll be tomorrow morning on this program. Um, we thank the Atlanta community and everybody responsible for the amazing hospitality that we've had. And uh, all the uh, people who are so helpful in all the different shows that we did in the filming of the Kosher Halftime Show. Rothenberg Law Firm presents the Kosher Halftime Show this coming Sunday. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It'll be, of course, at the NahumSiegel.com homepage and on our Facebook page. Um, and if you do enjoy it, make sure to share it with everybody. A lot of funny moments as Atlanta is the backdrop of our Kosher Halftime Show number 6 the 2019 edition. I'm told that uh, Rabbi Benjamin Friedman, who originally was scheduled to join us, is not able to join us today. He's from Congregation Ariel in uh, Dunwoody, a suburb of Atlanta. So we give him a shout-out, and uh, hopefully on our next trip to Atlanta, he will join us here at JM in the AM. And um, I take this opportunity to thank everybody who has been uh, instrumental, as I said, including the Schloss family, who have been extremely hospitable to all of us uh, in in so many different ways uh, during this trip. So thank you to Rabbi Mrs. Schloss, Lydia, and Rabbi Norman Schloss from all of us here at JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM and the AM, it'll be Charlie Harari, who I see is scheduled to be here in Atlanta in the next couple of weeks. He'll be doing his uh, Unlocking Greatness program starting at 9. Michael Fragan with the uh, spin class. Uh, that's going to be happening... Um, uh, the World of Politics, it's going to be happening at 9.30 this morning, 10 o'clock for uh, Allison Josephs and the Jew in the City Speaks. And Ilana Frank is the guest of uh, Miriam Alwala coming up at 10.30. As I mentioned, it's an intense program that was recorded earlier during our trip to Atlanta. Uh, she heads the Jewish Fertility Foundation. It's based here in Atlanta where she lives. Ilana Frank's both the executive director and the founder. And Miriam Alwala speaks with her 10.30 Eastern Time this morning on That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. That will all be followed by a live lunch, or I'm sure we'll have plenty of talk about the Kosher Halftime Show for Sunday and uh, much, much more. It's all happening here at the, the Nahum Siegel Network. All right, so we'll go to a quick song and then be joined by another one of our special guests during this uh, amazing week in Atlanta as we focus on the Atlanta Jewish community, courtesy of the Committee for um, the Committee for Charitetic Medical Center in Jerusalem and, of course, the Orthodox Union. And, um, and we concentrate on the southeastern portion of the United States, Jewish communities as well. Uh, that's all happening all through this week. And we will not go to a song. We'll go to our next guest. Our next guest uh, is, believe it or not, from Birmingham, Alabama. Rabbi Moshe Ruby is here from Congregation Knesset Israel. Uh, he is here with a special guest who we will introduce in a couple of minutes. Rabbi Ruby. Rabbi Ruby, welcome to JM in the AM. JM in the AM. <laughs> Imagine that. You're on JM in the AM. Yeah, I used to hear about this when I was uh, in elementary, junior high. and Well, where did you uh, grow up? Well, I grew up, uh, was born in San Diego, yeah. I, and then I was on Long Island, five towns. Uh, went to Yeshiva Rockway for high school, right. YU, Yeshiva University, for college, stayed there for Smicha. And uh, my first job coming out was in Birmingham, Alabama. Your first job is Birmingham. How many years or months have you been there? Oh, uh, about a year and a half now. How's it been going so far? 
Oh, it's, it's fun, unique. Is Knesset Israel one of the historic synagogues of Birmingham? Has it been around a while? Oh, yeah, about 130 years now. <laughs> That's a nice stretch of time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and now you are the uh, you are the um, a rabbi of the synagogue, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've met a lot of wonderful people down there in Birmingham. It's probably got the same warm, hospitable feel like we feel down here in Atlanta, right? Oh, yeah, it's exactly like that. In Alabama, and southern hospitality is everywhere. It's in the area. And uh, tell me about the community structure. Are there day schools? Are there uh, Jewish services? How does it work down there in Birmingham? Well, uh, we got one of everything, really. Like? You know, there's one school, one community school, uh, one JCC, one Orthodox synagogue, conservative and reform. There's a Chabad also. Um, and there's federation foundation that it's basically one of everything so there's no uh there's no two or three orthodox schools right. uh vying for the for the same or you're you're the, you're the orthodox game in town yeah how far am i right now from birmingham how long does it take to get from atlanta to birmingham uh two and a half hours all right that's so bad yeah um are you recruiting are you looking for people to consider the outreach opportunities and the educational opportunities that they would have if they'd moved down to your area Absolutely. If anyone's listening, yeah, come check it out. Come to va- come uh, take a vacation. What it's will a- they find? Will they find a lot of fertile ground for great outreach potential? I believe so. I mean, there's a there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, Birmingham is an up and coming city in South in general, and it's participating in the in a tech boom down. There's a lot of uh, there's tech jobs moving down. We're there. seeing a lot of that in this region. Uh huh. And the South is really uh, it's getting reborn. Um, yeah, and, uh, I mean, I don't know how many, like, if, uh, if someone would go there, they, if, if they would want to come to, like, and be an outreach person, but all a person would need to do is come down there, live a Jewish life, and... And they'll be doing outreach. And they'll be doing outreach, just people see that as an example. I certainly agree with that. Right, Moshe Ruby is with us, Congregation Connectus Israel down in Birmingham, Alabama. You have brought along with you a special guest whose name is Michael Reed. What can you tell us about Michael Reed, Rabbi Ruby? Oh, Michael Reed. Well, as the rabbi, I sometimes get some very interesting calls. Uh, I <laughs> Sometimes from self-proclaimed prophets hmm. who uh, call me and say, Rabbi, you better write this down. Okay, I have this prophecy next year. The, the end is coming. and I, They will tell you this. They will tell me this. And uh, uh, I'm very polite. I listen to them for a few minutes. Like, okay, then, then. Click. That's that. So I received a, a call from this gentleman here, Michael, and he telling me that uh, he's uh, he just rediscovered that he's Jewish, and it was and he came, he joined our synagogue, and it's really just a he's one of those just came from you never thought that there would be a, a long lost Jew in Alabama. Michael, can I ask you how old you are? I'm 22 years old. And how did you find out that you're a member of the tribe? Well, actually, I uh, I was I was seeking uh, something new. I grew up in a uh, I grew up in a Baptist family, uh, and I we we practiced Christianity pretty pretty closely. Um, but but it never felt right to me. So when I left home, I, I started looking for new places to uh, to find spirituality. And left I home meaning for college or like what? What do you mean by leaving? Well, home? I joined the military. Ah. Um, and and you started I, uh, searching. While I was there, I just started searching for something something different, and I found Judaism. Uh, well, when I came back, uh, everybody I told everybody that I was in the process of converting. You know how how things get around, and I was I was going to become Jewish, 
And my grandmother approached me and, and, and said, you know that you're Jewish? And I said, no. This no. is your mother's mother. My mother's mother. Um, and I said, no, how could I have possibly known that I was Jewish if no one ever told me that? Uh, and as it turned out, she was the last person to actually know that, that we were Jewish. Um, so, you know, she, she gave me names of family members and, and showed me her, uh, uh, showed me this, this ancestry report uh, that showed that she was uh, Jewish according to DNA. But, you know, I was really more interested in the, uh, in the family history. Sure, of course. Those, those tests, you know. But, um, but I, I, looked into, I looked into our history, our, our family names, and cross-referenced it with uh, the, Jewish, the Jewish records on ancestry. And uh, I found uh, I found an ancestor that was her her name was uh, Balsora Katz. Um, she's my great 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 grandmother, and she uh, came over here from Germany in the 1800s and married a Protestant Christian man from Ireland. Unbelievable! Uh, how has your family reacted to the news that you're pursuing or have already pursued a Jewish life? Well, at first it was just very confusing for them. Um, they didn't really understand, and they didn't, they didn't understand the new things that I was doing. Uh, and, and there was a little bit of a backlash, but, but, but overall they've been very supportive. And, and ultimately they just want me to be happy. Has Rabbi Ruby been helpful in this process? Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, without him, I, I, would know, I would know way less than I do about halakha and, and kosher and, and, and all of that, you know, I mean... He's he's really been a good a good guide on the on the way. Do you have siblings? Yes, I have a sister. What has she said about all this? Well, because she's by the way also Jewish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I informed her of that. <laughs> what did she say? She's um she's she's less she's less interested. <laughs> she hasn't become as intense as you, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, my mother and my sister both are, are, are a bit indifferent towards, towards the, the revelation. You know, I expect that out of my mom. She's, she's been practicing Christianity her, her whole life. I mean, how could I, how could I ask her to give it up? But, uh, but my sister my sister's just very caught up in herself right now. But I think, uh, I think that, that, that we all have different, different paths to take. And if it's, if it's not her path to follow me, then that's fine. Michael Reed is with us, Rabbi Moshe Ruby, along uh, as the rabbi in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, are you feeling comfortable now in your new religious atmosphere? Oh, for sure, for sure. I, uh, I, I feel like I feel like Judaism gives me a lot of a lot of room to to, to ask questions and to grow spiritually in my own direction, and I, I really admire that about about such a <coughs> such, such an old and rich religion that it's still open for uh different interpretations and different and different methods of of practicing um and that's something that i never found with anything else you know rabbi ruby according to our tradition michael's soul was at mount sinai that's according correct to, because the soul of all those who discover their judaism even years and years later were all there to receive the torah and to be part of the process a lot of people don't understand unfortunately that someone like yourself is really a full-fledged member of our community. It seems Rabbi Ruby has made that clear to you, that you are a full-fledged welcome member of our community. And I need people out there who are listening to hear that, that you are like all of us at this point. Mm -hmm. Which is, uh, again, I think to some people not so obvious, but I think it's something I need to point out. And we were all together at Mount Sinai for the most auspicious occasion in Jewish history. And it seems that you feel it. It seems that you feel most comfortable knowing 
knowing you know where you come from oh yeah definitely and and i i do there are um are people that i've i've met who who will assume that i'm, a, I'm i've converted right um but uh there's no need right, <laughs> <laughs> right. you don't have to convert <laughs> you can't escape it now <laughs> michael <laughs> <laughs> There's nowhere for you to go. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to welcome you. And again, strange way of putting it because you've always been, but to welcome you as a member of the tribe. I definitely feel welcome. And uh, and continued success to you. Thank you. And Rabbi Ruby, I would guess that uh, God sent you to Birmingham for a variety of reasons. This is probably one of them, huh? Yeah. I'm just there and new people just keep coming my way. And Michael, yeah, it's been just... It's just amazing to have him. Does Birmingham enjoy a daily minion? Are you able to uh, to to provide services for the community on a regular basis? Uh, not on not on that basis. We have a minion every Shabbos. Right. But at uh, any time, if someone has a yard site or a right. special You're reason that they that. need to, yeah, we're able to do that. And uh, and with great effort from the community, small Jewish communities, uh, mm-hmm. they really pull in volunteers from from all walks of Jewish life to help out. Right. It's yeah. not like uh, it's not like the metropolis is that we have out there in the Jewish world. It's a small community that everybody pitches in. Absolutely. Let's just say, you know, when we're having Kiddush, you know, it's our people that are making it. Uh, if there's a They're community it all. it's us, They're we're doing not it all. doing it all. They're setting up the chairs and, and changing the room around and doing everything that's <laughs> got to be done. Yeah. When I was a rabbi, I just thought these things could happen. But before I was a rabbi, <laughs> they have like, you know, <laughs> but now I'm looking like, wow, all these things that need to get done. I'd just like to give a, a shout out to sure. uh, the sponsor to uh, to the Orthodox Union. Uh, there, we we are an OU synagogue, and they're just always a tremendous help. And you might us. think that a an outfit like theirs would would overlook a small community like yours, and it's just the opposite. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to give you as much help as possible, mm-hmm. and they deserve that shout out. What a pleasure to meet you, right, Moshe Ruby, uh, Congregation Knesset Israel down in Birmingham. Thank you for be- bringing Michael Reed with you, Michael. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to be here, and uh, we'll continue here at JMN. And thank you so much for joining us here well, today. Thank you. All the way from Birmingham, here in Atlanta, Georgia, as we continue to meet some fascinating people from the southeast of the United States. We continue with this from Ellie Marcus at JM in the AM. I'm 
Ellie Marcus, who I'm told is out with a brand new album, so we'll probably speak with him at some point next week, I bet. Miriam Wallach no longer paying attention to this show, <laughs> as I mentioned on the air, all the different people that we need to book. Um, we've got uh, Laura Fruchtman with us. She's an administrator at the Tamima High School for Girls, which is literally next door to the Beth Jacob Congregation, where we are in Atlanta, Georgia. Laura Fruchtman, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. How long have you been with Tamima High School? I've been with Tamima about 10 years. Nice. <clears throat> and it's unfortunate that I'm here and you don't get Mrs. Miriam Feldman, who uh, was the first principal of the school and who's been there for over 20 years, who epitomizes what the school stands for and, and she speaks so clearly as to what our mission is and what she's doing. But because she's at a principal's conference, ah, they invited her in Israel. Mm. and um, This is the Rebbitzin, I assume. This is the Rebbitzin. And we, uh, I, I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm the only one to come and speak on behalf of Tamima. And um, I, I can tell you a little bit about why I'm there. Please. Which could help you understand what's going on over there. Okay. With, and and everyone can hear. So I was a real estate agent. I once had a talk show on the radio. I had done a lot of other things, and I went over to this place to help because you could see the product was something special. And the girls that came out of there were people. You, I, I don't know if I can explain it any other way than saying that they come out as a person that feels whole, that they're somebody, that they know they're somebody. They create a good product there, huh? It, 
she builds a, a person right. from exactly where they are. So when I went in to help and they said, can you stay? I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to give up so much money. How am I going to live? What's going to happen? But I saw so clearly that Mrs. Feldman was doing this all for the sake of Hashem, that he was, she was there to educate his children, and I wanted to help her. And so I've been there ever since. And if you walked into Tamima, which I was begging you to do, um, the walls almost speak for themselves. Um, when we had an independent school accreditation a couple of years ago, and we talked about what our mission was and what our girls were like, they wrote in their report, we couldn't believe it. How could anything be so great? All these things that people are saying. And they said they didn't say enough. That Tamima really is building a girl from her taking her potential our mission is is to help her build her potential to meet her where she is and we give each girl her own schedule her own uh p program to develop herself amazing it's so very hard on the budget i can you. imagine because you have you know nine math classes for 50 or something girls because you're getting each girl where she is it's an unbelievable thing and baruch hashem Hashem has helped us with fundraising and everything else. It's not easy. It's not easy on the family. If anyone wants to donate money to us, we're always open to that. The majority of Tamima <laughs> High School girls, I assume, are from Atlanta, Georgia. So we do have borders. Right. You do meet some who are coming from other areas. Yeah, we do. As Atlanta, we keep painting as a capital of the Jewish South. Uh, obviously, the high school attracts people who you know, feel this is the right place for their daughter. And based on the sure. way you're speaking, it sounds like this is the right place for a lot of daughters. Yeah, we, ha we, ha we do. We have a mix of different families, right. you know, that are there, especially the Atlanta families, as you've probably already met so many. Met There's a so lot many of them. different. And, um, and they all find their place. And I once asked the seniors, I said, what would you say that is so great about our school? Well, give me an idea. I want to make a brochure. And they said, we all love each other. I said, what does that mean? Like, that's such a la-la-la, nicey-nicey. Give me what that means. And what it means is somehow they have been trained to look at each other on the inside so that there is no weirdo. There's two girls walking right by. And there's, um, they, they can look no and see that this, they can see the neshama. There's a and mutual respect that they have for each student, each it, colleague yeah. of theirs. Uh, it's more than that. It's more than that. It's that they really can see inside someone so that they're loving from the neshama to neshama. It, it's an unbelievable thing. I know it's very hard to even, I once told the Federation lady, Hashem puts money in our account, and everyone looked at me like, you can't talk like that to these people. <laughs> you can't. And, and, and I did, and I did, and the lady one day said to me, I see what you mean. <laughs> Laura, Not a religious Jew. <laughs> Laura Fruchtman is with us, administrator at Tamima High School. How is the school emblematic of the Atlanta Jewish community? Because as you describe the people that are being uh, formed, as you say, uh, the young ladies that are being transformed into these uh, uh, wonderful young women, uh, it sounds like they've got a lot of the qualities that we've seen in Atlanta's Jewish community in general. Which is acceptance. Hospitality. Warmth. Oh, for sure, for sure. For sure. And all those things are part of it. Right. And then they come in and actually do a lot of character development and focus on um, how to grow, how to have self-control, how to build themselves, how to see the best in someone. And, um, you know, they're coming in with the Atlanta acceptance, right. as you're saying, and that... 
everyone is regarded as, you know, a, a Selim Elohim, you know, and and it, you can see them play it out. It's beautiful. Well, I wish you continued success, and please send our best to Mrs. Feldman as well at Tamima High School. It sounds like you're running quite a place, to say it, the least. It's a beautiful place, and we do you know, send them off to unbelievable right. places right. so that they can, you know, have a full, well-rounded... I assume you mean great seminaries and universities. Seminaries, universities, you know, what, whatever each girl needs to her place. And, and they're really accomplishing great things in their communities afterwards. So Thank you, Laura. Okay, thank Continued you. Continued success at thank Tamima you. High School. Thank you. More coming up. You're listening to our Journey to Atlanta, Georgia at JM in the AM. J.M. in the A.M. with Eitan Freilach. Beautiful song.
We're here in Atlanta winding down an amazing four days in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you to the American Committee of Asharid Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. And thank you, of course, to our friends at the Orthodox Union. Uh, we are here, and a big thank you to Naftali Herman. We are here um, focusing on the Jewish community of Atlanta and the southeastern portion of the United States. And Batsheva Gelbtach is here. She is the co executive producer and co-founder of the JWC Atlanta, an empowering Jewish education and outreach organization for women. They take 100 women a year to Israel through our, their close partnership with JWRP. We've spoken about that organization many times as part of a robust and multidimensional programming with classes, etc. Welcome, Batsheva Gelbtach, to JM in the AM. A pleasure having you here. Pretty amazing what that Israel trip does to people, huh? It's really incredible. <laughs> when did we discover this? When did people like yourself say, you know what? A good idea would be to take Jewish women to Israel and see if it helps transform their lives. So about 10 years ago, Lori Palatnik was the one that uh, instituted course. it for women. We were working on campus before then. The trips for college students were available, right. you know, in a large capacity. Birthright, et cetera. It's exactly. And then this idea that Lori came up with that if you impact a Jewish woman, you impact the college student, you impact the college students. If you impact a Jewish mother, you've impacted now the family and then the community, and then you impact enough communities, you change the world. So the first time you did this, that mm -hmm. you actually went ahead and arranged one of these missions as when? So I went on my first mission with women as opposed to college students about 10 years ago. Oh, wow. On the very first trip, yeah. And uh, this is a successful annual program. Is it annual? Are you able to take so people So we take year? two um, groups a year, each uh, a full bus. So we take about 100 women a year. We partnered up with the Federation, and that's enabled us to really grow tremendously. And um, the organization in Atlanta was founded by a bunch of women that came on that first trip and wanted to bring back that spiritual reservoirs to all the women over here in Atlanta. All right. What has that done to Atlanta? What have those trips done for this community? So I would say that um, it's hard to measure that kind of impact. It's right. infinite. Um, but it really has transformed and created this um, sisterhood without borders. And our board is representative of that. You know, we have women from all different demographics and denominations sitting on the board trying to curate this spiritual wealth for um, women in Atlanta. It's amazing. So a lot of follow-up is necessary for that? A lot, yes. And uh, a comprehensive follow-up, you know, real yes. educational opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have classes every day of the week, every night, you know, lunch and learns. Wow. Are the men and children jealous? Do they want to go to Israel? So there is a men's trip. Yes. I heard. Yeah, I heard that all of a sudden now there are men's trips yes, popping up all yes. over the place. There is. And, and the kids also, programming for the kids, it definitely is necessary. The idea of impacting a woman and that impact everyone is very powerful and true. But we do have to create infrastructures and support infrastructures to help them along the way with the men and the children. Batsheva Gelbtach is with us. How long have you been in Atlanta, Georgia? 14 years. And what has this experience been like? We're pretty impressed with this community. What do you say about it 14 years in? It's incredible. I'm from Israel. I'm from Yerushalayim. Oh, nice. So it's a long way home from home. Yeah. Um, but if you have to be stuck anywhere in the world outside of Israel, it's definitely a good place to be. And what is it? What, what is it they have here that makes it unique? So I... It's interesting. We always get asked that question because our organization is pretty large in terms of its breadth of women and relative to other organizations around the country. And people ask us oftentimes, what is it about Atlanta? And it's, I think, the combination of Jewish meeting Southern that really um, brings out an incredible side in people. Values plus warmth plus hospitality. It's a nice package, it's, it's right? It's a great package, yes. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. And we're concentrating uh, through this week not only on Atlanta but the entire 
southeast region here of the United States, and uh, there are a lot of other great Jewish communities in this area, right? There really are a lot of different ones. We travel, we drive to New York often, so we get to drive through the other part, I guess, you know, the North Carolina, South Carolina, um, and there definitely are incredible Jewish communities throughout um, the South. I definitely didn't know that living in Israel. Right, I can imagine. Yeah. Is it hard to recruit for your trips? Is it uh, hard to get newer people to come and join you? So... It isn't, thank God. We are the very oversubscribed. Huh? We have about 200 applicants for 50 spots. Um, Each it, trip? Mm-hmm. Thank God, most trips. It depends on the time of year. But so yes. some of the women really have to wait a while before they yes, get on one of these yes. trips. Yes, a lot of women have applied twice, three times, four times before they get on the trip. Yes. And you've seen, we talked about transforming women and families when they come back, but you've seen some of these transformations happen there in Israel on the trip itself, right? Just days after they've gone. Of course, of course. There's nothing like the Jew. Israel is the charging station of the soul. There's nothing like, you know, bringing a Jew back home. It's amazing how it works, I'll tell you. Batsheva Gelbtach, co-executive producer, co-founder, JWC Atlanta, in a partnership with JWRP. They are doing great work, especially with these trips that have uh, been so important in connecting Jewish women to Israel, and as you indicated, really Jewish women to our tradition. I mean, that's what yes. it's all about. Yes. Israel has a unique way of doing that. It's incredible. It's true. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. About Shava Gelptach here on a JM in the AM broadcast on this uh, Thursday morning. Mordechai Shapiro is next as we start to wind down day four in Atlanta here at JM in the AM.
with Mordechai Shapiro. Uh, Danielle Wenger just ran into this shul the same way we ran into Atlanta back in November and met up with him at a moment's notice to start this amazing adventure. Uh, Danielle Wenger is with us, and one of the reasons I asked him to join us is because with all the people, and there were many, who helped get this Atlanta adventure going, he was one of the most instrumental. He kicked it off with us at the end of November with a great meeting that we had together. He would give us a wonderful overview of the Atlanta community, told us we'd have a great time, and you were 100% right. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me here. It's great having you on the air. It's wonderful when you, uh, we interact with you on the app or through email, and we know that you're listening down here in Atlanta. And I know you helped spread the word about JM in the AM in Atlanta, so we thank you for that. So thank you very, very much. And, of course, you have roots in the New Jersey area, so uh, there's that as well. So um, you are our final guest on these wow. four days, just so we could say thank you, and that we remember with glee and fondness <laughs> our initial meeting down here in Atlanta over some great kosher donuts. That's right. And uh, why don't you tell us a word about this community? What do you think about the reputation that Jewish Atlanta has that we've been hearing about over the last four days? You know, everyone everyone has been talking about the hospitality, Southern hospitality. It's not it's not just a, a cliche; it's real, and you've gotten to experience that now. Um, another word I would use is, is menschlichkeit. Menschlichkeit between the communities, between the shuls, between the schools, the people, the locals, the transplants, like, like me. Um, it's the, the atmosphere that we get here in Atlanta is one that I hope you all can, can bring back with you, uh, back up to New York Metro, um, and share with everyone just the, the, the menschlichkeit that, that you've gotten to see and gotten to experience uh, with with meeting all the community members. Here. Yeah, well, we certainly picked that up, and we will take that. That'll be one of the takeaways from this trip. Miriam Wallach, do you remember our first encounter with Danielle Wenger back in November? I do, because I went to Splendid Donuts this morning. So it was like... <laughs> sublime, we sublime. 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 Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sublime Donuts this morning. Um, boy, it's been a long couple of days. But yeah, we were, you know, it was literally happenstance. Nahum's like, I think I'm just going to ask Danielle Wenger if he can meet us now. I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. I mean, As we sat in the Atlanta airport. <laughs> right. And yeah, and Danielle was like, sure, no problem. And, and certainly he was there and... And gave us literally our first schooling on Atlantic. The gave primer. A, gave us a tremendous amount of information that was exceedingly helpful, both in the short term and the long term. And we very much appreciate it. And you mentioned that 
that Southern hospitality is not a cliche. Well, during the um, during this jam in the AM, a complete stranger came in and was schmoozing with us, et cetera, et cetera, and wanted to give us another story if we could possibly feature it, which unfortunately we didn't have time for. But then she wrote me this note. Shabbos plans, are you taken care of? <laughs> I don't even know this woman's name. I don't know her name. She doesn't know my name. That's hilarious. But she asked me if we were taken care of. I wrote it out like that. Wrote it out to make sure we were set. And I said, um, it's just... That says it all. It, huh? Exactly. It says it all. What a way to sum up four days. Daniil, to you and your family, continued success out here in Atlanta. Thank you so much. Uh, Safe thanks. travels. Thank Until you. Thank next you. time. And thanks for welcoming us. Which shirt is that, by the way, that you brought along with you? That, <laughs> that That's courtesy of which uh, organization or, uh, or outfit? I had two options. I have oh, uh, Rutgers. Rutgers, Rutgers Hillel. Hillel. All right. Um, and and we know also, you and your wife met at Rutgers. Yes. And this one is which camp? Um, this is camp, back Ca- to Camp Missouri. Back to Camp Missouri. 2000. My wow. gosh. The 10th year. Of Sell Missouri. that on eBay. Yeah, my gosh. that's a that's <laughs> One of a, the seagulls will buy it. <laughs> that's a classic exactly. for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle. Thanks for making this a really fun trip. Uh, you certainly had a role in doing that. We appreciate it. Uh, well, Miriam L. Wallach, that about wraps it up. Four great JMN broadcasts. Shalom, y'all. Shalom, y'all is right. Uh, that's Life with Mary Wallach this week, recorded down here at the Beth Jacobs Synagogue Correct. in Atlanta. Correct. Live lunch that we did from here earlier to – actually, yesterday we did live right. lunch. And, of course, we'll end up with our live lunch when we're back in the New York studios later today. Mm-hmm. And our Friday morning broadcast will also emanate from our New York City studios. But yeah, this so has that one you're doing alone. Correct. But right. this has been quite an adventure. It we thank Yoni has. Pollock. And we thank the Schloss family, and we thank uh, Jody Wittenberg and everybody at Spicy Peach, and we thank Rabbi Feldman, Rabbi Starr, Rabbi uh, Tendler, and everybody who was so instrumental in helping us come down here, plus a lot of other people who made these moving parts really move over the last few days. And Naftali Herman. Yeah, Naftali Herman, Orthodox Union, thank you, thank you, thank you. You made this uh, not only a great adventure for us, but you also gave us such amazing content. Right. Speaking with so many people who are representing so many wonderful Jewish communities around this portion of the U.S. And we thank you for that. Continued success in Naftali Herman and his role as Southeast Regional Director for the OU with all the synagogues that are being serviced by the Orthodox Union. And a special shout-out, of course, to Alan Fagan, who you could attest to the fact when he first heard about this concept, said, you know what, there's a role for the OU in what you guys are doing. And that's a great feeling for us to hear that from him and experience it from the OU. He so is a, a true you. leader. He, he really is. is. He is a true leader. In addition, the American Committee of Shire Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, they like uh, being part of our uh, on-the-go adventures, whether it's in Israel, whether it's in uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. This one was a comprehensive one over right. many, many days. So I thank both Rachel Wolf and Mayor Fertig. They trust us, and we appreciate it very, very much. And we enjoy featuring what they do. They are a winning team, and we like being associated with winners. Absolutely. And, our, and the next time we're in Israel, Bezrat Hashem, we're actually going to be Please at Sharet Tzedek. Well, almost next month, right? Yeah, we know. I know. It's almost February. Amazing. It is. It's uh, unbelievable. Uh, and that's that. Coming up on Friday tomorrow on JM and the AM, uh, a major announcement regarding Shlomo Katz. Right. So that'll be coming uh, up And tomorrow. there happens to be something going on this Sunday also. And this Sunday it is a game, and during that game, everyone's going to have access to the Kosher Halftime Show brought to you by our friends at the Rothenberg Law Firm. The Kosher Halftime Show brought to you by Rothenberg Law Firm this coming Sunday with great commercial sponsors yep. and a lot of fun, all directed by Mayor Kay, starring Daniela Javiel and Sammy Kay. Sammy Kay. Achenu Yisrael and Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AchimSegal.com, on the AchimSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. 
Wraps up a Thursday broadcast from Atlanta here at JM and the AM. Guess what? Tomorrow back in studio on a Friday morning with Malcolm Honline in Israel. He'll be joining us, of course, for the weekly update. Coming up, Charlie Harari, who's planning his own trip to Atlanta in the next couple of weeks. He'll be with, uh, he'll be with us in just a minute with Unlocking Greatness and Michael, F- Michael Fragan with Spin Class. Jew in the City Speaks, Allison Josephs, and, of course, Miriam L. Wallach with a very special guest from right here in Atlanta who's going to be uh, joining her. Uh, that's all coming up here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And then live lunch will start at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in and stay tuned in all day long. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.